0: Hi there, and welcome to the Tuesday Tribe Podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Halodic, and I'm so glad you're here. Each episode, I'll be joined by another woman to hear her story and talk about everyday life. These are real women with real stories, and they want you to know that you're not alone in what you're going through. We're going to talk, answer some questions, and of course, we're going to have some fun too. I believe God wants us to be in community with each other. I believe that our lives weren't meant for isolation. I believe we're better together. And if you believe that too, then welcome to the tribe. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Tuesday Tribe podcast. I'm so excited that you're here. This is actually part two of a two-part episode series. We're talking with my friend Brandy about her story of infertility, infertility treatment, IVF, Pregnancy, foster parenting, all of that kind of stuff. If you haven't yet listened to part one, make sure you go back and do that. It's a really powerful story, and for now, we are going to jump right into part two of my conversation with Brandy. All right, so we are back with my friend Brandy Brandy, Thank you for coming back onto the podcast to to share the the rest of your story up until you know now. Um, we are just gonna jump right in and pick back up where we left off. We ended um with baby Houston passing away. Um, being delivered so early. And then like you had mentioned, just the the bacterial infection and, and everything that happened there. So picking up from that point, just, oh man, like you had this baby, what did it look like to lose him? What did your year of mourning him, what was that experience? Will you share that with us?
1: Absolutely. So on top of having a baby in the NICU, I'd also had an emergency C-section and those can take six, Eight, 12 weeks to recover from. And I was also, um, I wasn't able to breastfeed, but I was pumping exclusively for him while he was there. And there isn't just a magic wand that makes that all go away. So I was still having to heal from my C section and I was still producing breast milk. So I had to continue pumping until there's a process you can take to kind of get your milk to dry itself out, but it's not overnight. Uh, So I continued doing that. And that was a hard part too, is you, you have a baby, but you don't have your baby Mm. and you don't look like you had a baby. So it was a very weird transition to be in. Mm -hmm. Um, But unfortunately, uh, early on in my life, I also lost my younger brother. And uh, when he was about 13 years old and I was 16 years old. And so it's, a bad thing, but also a good thing that I had a little bit of experience in this area of grief and what to do for myself and what to do. There's a different dynamic now, obviously, because I had a spouse and we have these big families. And, um, but I really took my recovery very seriously and allowed people to help us when we needed help, but also, that was probably the first time in my life I had very firm boundaries with people. Mm -hmm. So that was a good learning experience too. But we decided that we did not want this to cause us to not be together. Mm -hmm. And because we've, we've seen that happen before too. And I have such a great marriage and I didn't want to see that dissolve as well. So we, we both went to solo counseling. we found a therapist and we, we saw the same therapist but just separately Mm -hmm. and then we saw the same therapist together for couples counseling and uh it was actually an interesting um journey to be on with with therapy because we are both so sensitive to one another that we learned very quickly that we may be making it worse for each other because I really only cared about him and he only really cared about me so then we felt like I couldn't be upset because then it would upset him, and he couldn't be upset because, anyways, we figured all of that out, and we, he, he, was able to come off of therapy a little bit quicker than I was, Mm. and um, at the same time, we both had jobs and things too, and he went straight back to his job, and I think that helped him immensely that he was surrounded by all these strong male figures on his on his football team, and he was able to kind of separate what was going on. He had a really good distraction. My work was excellent to me and they let me work from home and I had a great boss, but I, it turned into me just being by myself a lot. Um, So I had to really work on um, my, you know, depression and anxieties and how I was going to work through all of this. And so I did decide with my doctor that I would get on some antidepressants. And boy, that in and of itself was tough. Like the first one did not work. And then I got on another one that made me feel like I was on speed and is a whole process. And then um, still seeing my therapist, still talking to our um, like pastors and our core group of people. And I had some excellent friends through this whole thing. Um, that I I truly don't feel like we would have healed as quickly. And I'm not saying we're healed now. Like, obviously, it's so very raw and real to us. And it always will be. But man, we got so lucky with the friends that we have. Mm -hmm. They're they're the ones Googling, like, how do I talk to my friend who just lost their baby? Like, you know, that's an awesome community to have. And I, I really do think that the reason we have those types of relationships is back five, six years ago, we didn't let Our infertility like get in the way of the friendships that we have and we're still so invested in their lives too but healing wise i think we still are every day it's a lot less painful now i um dealt with a lot of things um physically to recover from my c-section where uh i think it, it i can't remember the exact timeline but well after the six weeks or eight weeks that they give you i started like hemorrhaging and just bleeding like incessantly and they, my OB says, oh, your first period is really hard after a baby. And I'm thinking, this doesn't really feel like <sighs> the period. So when I'm still hemorrhaging and bleeding, like I was like 21 days after it started, he finally took it seriously. And I had to go back in for another surgery. They like rescraped everything out. I guess they had left pieces of my placenta in there with, which, with how quick and emergent everything was. I mean, stuff happens. So we we took care of that. And that was in December of twenty nineteen. So that was a whole year ago is when I had that surgery. And to me, I'm all I almost feel as if it was the closing of that chapter. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, like we can this is done now. I'm not having any more like physical ailments from this and I can like move into this new chapter of my life. And I really did. I felt really good. I had gotten on a new antidepressant and it was really working because I was really struggling before that and we felt good we our relationship was in a great place and we decided in February of 2020 that we wanted to just pursue a different avenue of being parents mm-hmm. <laughs> I had absolutely no intention on ever getting pregnant again I did not want to be pregnant again. I did not want to experience the same things. I was not willing. I was, that was not happening. We still have embryos that we're storing on ice. The idea of surrogacy was tossed around. It's just not something I'm interested in. And I was fully prepared and ready to kind of educate myself on what it would look like to do foster care or adoption or foster to adopt in the state of Texas. And we talked to a lot of our mentors about that. And we did a lot of soul searching and prayer. And we decided that that is what God wanted us to do. And we felt like we would be able to honor him and honor Houston by like opening our house up and opening us ourselves back up to having children in our house. So it took about five or six months to get our license, which is very normal, So for anyone out there who wants to be a foster parent, prepare for it to be a long process. (laughs) Um, And in, I believe in May, yes, in May of 2020, we officially got our license and it took about a week. So in June, they called us and they placed our first foster child with us. And she was six months old at the time. And we fell in love, like hardcore (laughs) fell in love with this child and just with the um, actual act of being parents and having a child in our house and what that looks like for us. And we just loved it so much. And when that happened, I felt as if it was my calling, like, you know, this is why I had to go through everything was for God to show me like you're meant to be a foster parent. And it was truly like a confidence boost for Austin and I, my husband, um, because we had taken some beatings to get to this point. And I mean, we had even had discussions before where we were like, maybe we're not meant to be parents. Like maybe we're not as awesome as we think we are. <laughs> maybe there's a reason why. Uh, and we, it was so great to have this foster child with us. Um, I'm not sure if other people make the same mistake we did, or if I would even call it a mistake, but we fell so in love with this child and her story and totally thought we would get to just keep her forever. And she, that did not happen. Unfortunately, it also didn't happen around the same time we were experiencing all of like the first year milestones Mm -hmm. of Houston. And so we find out that our foster child is going to go live with somebody else she did not go back to her mother but she did go back to a family that had adopted some of her siblings so in the end it's a big win for her because although we could offer her love and stability we can't offer her her siblings Mm -hmm. so but it happened like she left the on my birthday in August and then we had you know Houston's first birthday and then we experienced Houston's the first anniversary of his passing and it was just a lot to deal with all at one time. Um but I wouldn't I wouldn't change that either because again I truly feel like being a foster parent is something that I'll continue doing until I can't do it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so I just enjoyed it so much and I'm a big advocate for it now. Um and then around the same time that we're having to say goodbye to our foster child and um deal with the first major milestones of Houston's passing, I find out that I'm pregnant somehow. (laughs) So I guess the old saying is true with what our doctor told us, which was we were diagnosed with unexplained infertility and we had no idea how, why we couldn't get pregnant, but there was always a chance. And that's what happened to us. To say we were surprised is an understatement. To say we were shocked was a bigger understatement. And if I'm being completely honest, I really wasn't happy about it because I had written it off. I did not want to be pregnant again, not after everything I had already been through. And in even more comical timing, we had just talked about setting an appointment for Austin to get a vasectomy so that it wouldn't be a surprise. It wouldn't be something we had to worry about. And I guess, uh, God had other plans for us so what's the old saying uh make plans and you'll hear God laugh at you that's exactly how I felt in that situation and it took a, a while to kind of come to terms with what was happening and it was so hard for me because I had thought you know if I had prayed hard enough over my child or if I had done these things right like why did my first one have to go you know, there's, people will tell me, oh, everything happens for a reason, like, name one good reason that a baby has to die, especially after everything we had done to try to have that baby, and it felt, it, it just didn't feel good to me that it had happened so, like, unexpectedly, and I hadn't planned for it, and I, I don't even feel bad saying this, but like, I did not want to be pregnant. Like after everything that happened to me, I did not want to be pregnant because having a baby is one thing and that's magical and beautiful, but you still have to be pregnant. So, um, I truthfully was really angry at God for a long time during this process where I had to really work at, you know, he doesn't, Promise us all these things he just wants us to trust him that he knows what he's doing but that's really hard to live in when something terrible is happening and I think the best thing I did for myself was just give myself a little bit where no one knew uh because you know when we were in the thick of IVF and doing our transfers we were very open about it and when our second transfer worked uh you know, everybody, not everybody, but tons of people knew when I was only like four weeks pregnant, that is very early for people to, to be in your business. So kind of kept this one close to my heart for a while. And we switched all of our doctors because I did not want to be with the same medical professionals. And I found myself a good one and he's been wonderful so far. He's really, uh, hands-on when it comes to my mental health and just things that are going on and it took me a bit but now we're very excited about having a baby obviously I mean we've been trying for at this point when this baby is born it will be like seven years that we've been trying to have a child so you know you have to walk a while I suppose until you you get to where you're going but I I think a part of it too is I'm, I'm in this community of women where this doesn't happen for them
0: Mm
1: -hmm. and it was really difficult for me to swallow that pill of I just accidentally got pregnant and I was then gonna have to tell all of my friends that and I don't know why that bothered me so much but it really did just Mm -hmm. one of the worst comments that I get to for me and for a lot of women is the, Oh, stop trying and it'll happen. And I thought if one person tells me that when, when we announce that we're pregnant, I am going to cry because that was not my plan. And I was super stressed while it was happening. Like, you know, when people say, if you stop stressing, you'll get pregnant, like that's not true either. So I had to get over that as well. And we have a great preventative care plan in place. And so far, We're not experiencing any of the same issues that we experienced with Houston, Uh, but it's definitely a everyday kind of thing for me to wrap my head around that I I do have this bad experience like lingering over me, and it would be untruthful to say that it doesn't sometimes affect how I feel about this pregnancy or how I think it's going, and I'm always proved wrong when I go to the doctor, and that intuition i was talking about in the previous episode was just it still sticks with me and i get these waves of like everything's fine like you're going to be having this baby in the spring and everything's fine but the anxiety that comes along with that is horrible and uh i just i guess i just won't ever really know what it feels like to just have a really joyful uh pregnancy where i'm oblivious to things but um that's okay because i'm really happy about where we're at and i try not to dwell too much on what it took to get here and just be thankful with where we're at because i am a big believer now it's taken me a while to get here but i'm a big believer that we're all just on borrowed time anyways and like our children mm-hmm. are just borrowed and our spouses are borrowed and you know we're not guaranteed anything until we're in heaven and so and again, for a type A control freak, it's not an easy, you know, place to live in, but yeah. it is true. So,
0: yeah, that's really good. So now you're pregnant. Um, will you just talk a little bit about the differences between pregnancy one with Houston and pregnancy two um, and just like how things have been a little bit different this time around?
1: So. Uh, the well I was incredibly sick with Houston and I thought that maybe it was all of the hormones that I was on Mm -hmm. from IVF and it kind of went away around 13 weeks like when I moved into my second trimester and then it was just like aces after that like I felt great I got energy and didn't think any like it was great this pregnancy I'm not on any hormones whatsoever and I have been sick until (laughs) just recently so I'm halfway through my pregnancy and about 21 weeks long right now. And just until 18 weeks or so, 19 weeks, I had been throwing up every day, mm-hmm. felt horrible. Um, I got really big, much quicker this mm-hmm. time. I think your body just remembers and it feels like I'm a a woman or something. <laughs> um, so it was also a lot harder to hide um, this time. And we it wasn't that we weren't... Um, one thing to share but i was not in a mental place to just have everyone know about it the other difference is that because of our experience with houston we now know what one of our um, boundaries are and one of my issues is an incompetent cervix and so we are able to get on top of that much quicker this time mm-hmm. to where it's i kind of call it my safety net um so we got something called a cervical cerclage i say we eye <laughs> and it under got a cervical circlage place which basically closes and tightens your cervix and so if you lose your length you have this, this stitching to hopefully hold it all up and the statistics on that are really good it's you know a 90 to 95 percent chance that you'll deliver full term because you've wow. gotten a circlage early and you know I went in for my anatomy scan on Dallas which is what we're naming our daughter um, just yesterday. And which is the same time frame in the same scan we did on Houston, where we found out I was having major complications and everything was perfect. And my cervix looks great. And my cervical length is so long that I'm not even considered to be having a short cervix this time wow. as of right now. And everything just, I, I keep telling myself my mantra is that, um, a new pregnancy can be a new outcome, and so I'm kind of living on that
0: for right now. Um, That's really good. That makes me so happy to hear too. just you know, after the the hardest moments of your life, now hearing you know that it's going well and and she's doing well and she's progressing normal and things look okay, and I know there's still yeah. that you know that trepidation and that hesitation to be too excited but it's exciting Mm. to hear that things are are looking good so far
1: yeah I think the hardest part is just um trusting my own self in this whole thing because I've had a few friends tell me early on in this pregnancy oh once you feel the baby you'll feel so much better Mm. and that's just not the case because Houston was perfect and healthy, and I felt him too, and that wasn't what the problem was. Mm-hmm. The problem was with my own body. So, and there's not really a whole lot of signs that happen when you have an incompetent cervix. So, yes, now that she hosts a rave every night in my stomach around <laughs> 11 p.m., it does make me feel good because I can feel her and she's clearly growing. That doesn't mean that like my issues just disappear because the baby is growing and I can feel her. So, yeah. Um. Yeah, I just—it's a daily reminder to not live in the the negative um, kind of thought process about what happened with Houston.
0: So you've talked a little bit about your faith um, just through this whole you know seven year journey. Will you tell us more just about the role that faith has played um, through the good moments and the you know the really really hard moments and and how have you maintained a faith in God after going through such such tragedy and such, you know, just horrific circumstances. How how have you held on to God through that?
1: Oh, that's a good question. I've had so many friends ask me that too because I've I've also had friends reach out and be like, "I'm so mad at God for you right now." And even my reaction to that is like, "Why?" Like I I don't know. I it's really difficult to explain. I was brought up in the Christian faith. I went to, you know, religiously went to church. And had a great pastor. I was actually baptized, confirmed, and married in the same church by the same pastor. Wow. and I did I did marriage counseling with him. i I mean, with this pastor. and I feel like that has always been a big part of my life, has been my faith. and it don't get me wrong. I, it was fully tested for a while. Uh, but one of the best things I think that I did for myself was I found a therapist who was also a Christian. And it's not that she specialized in like Christian therapy, but she had totally understood that faith was going to play a big role in my life. And so she constantly like brought it back to the forefront for me Mm -hmm. and could accept that I was like really pissed off (laughs) that all of this and disappointed and devastated in any other word you can think of that this was happening to me. And um, I, I don't know. I, it's hard to explain because I've just always lived with like, God already knows what's going to go on. And like, if this is what was supposed to happen for me. And I think more of it is that I get, I'm happy to share my story and I'm happy to keep um, talking about how God plays a role in my life, or at least my faith plays a role in my life, something to like lean on. Um, and Cause I feel like I can reach more people that way. And I may seem selfish like oh I'm just talking about myself so that I'll feel better but I truly believe that a lot of people have been able to grow within their own faith and like question their own things that are going on in their life because they have to see someone else doing it too and I, I did have a family member tell me that that it was a struggle for them to know that all of this was happening, but then to see us taking it so well, it was like, it was, it was almost like contradictory in their mind. Mm -hmm. And it it helped them um, pray about it more and understand that you're allowed to like rejoice and have faith in God and what's happening in your own life, even when there's like terrible things happening to you. And I think that was probably the best lesson that I learned is just that it's okay to to have a messy life and to share it, and then to just be like, it's okay because <laughs> bound to get better. Um, and again, I don't know if that was just instilled in me from such a, long, a, a early age that it came naturally, or it, that in and of itself could just be a God thing that that was the first thing that I went to was just that I was going to be faithful and relentless in praying about it, and relentless in like my aftercare plan, which felt normal and then be able to share it with other people too
0: Mm, that's really good I think that's a great place for us to stop so we're going to take a quick break and then we'll come back with Brandy and answer some fun questions so we will be right back All right, we are back with Brandy. Brandy, thank you again just so much for sharing your story with us the last couple episodes. I know um, it's not the easiest story to talk about, but I'm grateful for you sharing it. And I know that there are women who um, will be moved and impacted by hearing it. So just thank you so much for being here.
1: Absolutely. Thank you
0: for having me. All right, we're going to jump into these fun questions. My first fun question for you is Who would play you in a movie about your life?
1: I think I would just want Reese Witherspoon to play mm-hmm. me. I feel
0: like she's a go-to for everybody. I could see it. I could see her yeah. like personality similar to yours and just like the way she acts and stuff.
1: Yes. I also really enjoyed her in um, – was it called Little Fires Everywhere?
0: Yes. I believe
1: is the season – or the the thing that she did. And I really enjoyed watching her yeah. in more of a vulnerable – role and I thought oh she could probably yeah story pretty well
0: there you go I love it um my next fun question for you is what product so it could be a book or a show or a movie or a kitchen gadget or shoes or anything like that um are you just loving right now
1: oh gosh okay so I was just coming to the self-realization that I pretty much only watch trash television (laughs) so um Okay, so my favorite book to come back to constantly is a book called Healing After Lost by Martha Hickman. Hmm. And it's more, I wouldn't call it a devotional, a daily devotional, although it does have some gospel sprinkled into it. It's more of a, a daily read that you can do that lets you have, internal thoughts and stuff Mm -hmm. and I've already used it for a whole year and I've kind of gone back I'm still going back through it and it can be used in all sorts of facets of your life I don't think you have to have this huge tragedy or this huge loss to really get um, anything out of it I think it's an excellent book
0: that's awesome we'll have to check it out and we'll put a link in the episode notes to that too Um, that's really cool all right. Last fun question. If you could have any superpower, what would it be?
1: I've thought about this one and I've decided that I don't want a superpower. I feel, I feel like that's just far too much responsibility. <laughs> and all the ones I can think of off the top of my head just don't seem, seem all that great. So the, the first one that comes to mind is being able to hear other people's thoughts. And I definitely do not want to be able to
0: do that. So I'm going to go with none. There you go. I love it. Just be like, nope, someone else can have the superpowers. (laughs) I'm just going to do my thing over here. (laughs) That's a great answer. I really appreciate your honesty there. (laughs) All right. Last question for you, Brandy. It's how we end every episode of the podcast is, um, what do you want other women to know about God from your story?
1: So I thought about this for a while and I just wanted to say that As a Christian woman. I truly thought that if I prayed hard enough or if I was faithful enough that you know God would grant me a miracle or what I wanted would would be so and I learned that that's not how it works like having enough faith. um, Isn't how God operates. He isn't going to just grant miracles to people who do enough or who are faithful enough and that My life has been infinitely better once I realized that I am enough and that what I'm doing is enough, especially for him and that My life has been laid out already for me. Um, And that in all of this, I learned that again, we're just on borrowed time with borrowed Mm -hmm. people and Um, I, uh, again, I'm already doing enough. I already am enough. And that just because I didn't receive a miracle when I wanted it doesn't mean that God was punishing me. Mm. So to just continue being faithful and trusting the process. Because truly, if you just let it go, then you'll be free.
0: Mm. That's so good. That's so good. I love hearing that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great place to wrap up. So Brandy, thank you again so much for being on the podcast. Uh, just so grateful for you and for you sharing your story. And it's been so fun to, to chat with you and, and catch up with you a little bit too. So thanks again. Thank you. I'm so glad that you got to hear that second part of Brandy's story. And I'm excited for Um, her story as God continues to write it. Uh, She is an incredible woman. She's been through so much. And and the fact that she um, is still so strong in her faith is just really an inspiration to me. and And I hope it was encouraging and inspiring to you all listening as well. Here at the Tuesday Tribe Podcast, we are all about sharing our stories with others with the hope of reminding those women around us that they're not alone in what they're going through, right that there's someone out there who's going through something similar, um, who can you know just link arms with them and and walk through whatever it is together. And so you might not think that your story could do that for another woman, but I want to tell you that all of the women that I've interviewed on this podcast, none of them thought that their story could impact another woman. And yet I'm hearing time and time again just how impactful and inspiring these, these podcast episodes have been for people going through something similar. And so I just want to invite you Uh, to consider sharing your story here on the Tuesday Tribe podcast. If that is scary for you or you are hesitant or you don't know what part of your story you might share, but you feel a little prompting or maybe like, you know, God is maybe nudging you to do that, just reach out to me. We can talk through it. We can figure out, you know, the best way to share your story. Or if there's a woman that you know who has a really impactful story, please get her in touch with me. I would love to talk with her and just talk about what it might be like to share her story here on the podcast. You can find a link to apply to be on the podcast here in the episode show notes, or just email us at TuesdayTribeCommunity at gmail.com. Truly, truly, I would love to talk to you about your story. So please don't feel weird reaching out. I want to hear from you for real. And as we always do, we are going to end this podcast episode with a benediction. That's just my encouragement to you as you move on through the rest of your day, your week, whatever God has in front of you. Until next time, may you find joy in the days behind you. Fix your eyes not on the valleys, but on the mountains and the assurance that God has been with you for every moment. May you find peace in this day. Play your part and trust that God will play his. And may you find hope in the days ahead of you. Though they may look uncertain, your Father who is for you already knows their outcome. Your future is good because your father is good. And may you always remember we're better together.